I am outside the Welcome Collection waiting for my friend Kevin to come and we're going to go in inside and have a look at the collection. He's never been here before. I have been and I love it and I hope he's impressed even by the outside. You can look up and you can see this rather classical building, the Welcome Building it says and there's an Eye of Horus and all these uh, magnificent symbols luring us in into some sort of satanic hole. It'll be great fun. Yeah, and here he comes. Hey, Kevin. Hi, how are you? You're late. I'm never late. <laughs> You're extremely early. <laughs> right, are you ready That's for this? That's a sentence I've never said before, actually. <laughs> are you ready to see some... Are you, are you ready for your time? You mind to be blown. I'm so ready to see the Welcome Collection. I, I can't believe is, you've never been here. No, I've never been. I've okay. never been. I am a bit of a museum geek, but this is one that has passed me by. Well, this is great. I think you're, okay. you're going to like it, actually. I'm just amazed that we're stood on the Euston Road in the daylight. I know, yeah. 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 It's not two o'clock a in the morning and one of us has lost a shoe or I something. I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a beautiful spring day, but it is yeah. very loud. So let's get in. Okay, as let's get as inside. Also, okay. we're being polluted to death. Hi. Hi there. Welcome to Welcome Collection. Hi. How are you? Hello. I'm Siobhan. This is Kevin. I'm Kevin. Hi. Hi. Lovely to meet you. I'm Phoebe. Oh, I see you've got your art passes with you. Yes. That's uh-huh. great. That'll get you 10% off in the, the cafe just behind us here. Wonderful. Brilliant. Kevin, you're going to love this. I can't wait. Thank you very much, Phoebe. Hi, I'm the actor Siobhan McSweeney here at the Welcome Collection in London. I'm her friend Kevin Brady and this is... Together. <laughs> meet me, meet me, me at, at the, museum. the museum. Oh, we bolstered. Well, I'll do it again. <laughs> Meet, Meet me, me at, at the, the museum. museum. Yeah. Oh, God. Sing it. Meet me, me at the museum. What I love about science, this museum sort of explores. Okay. This sort of creativity. Of science. And I know that you're a big, like, science and especially space nut. <laughs> so I thought that, actually, of all the people to bring... To something like this, because we could have gone to an art gallery or something like that. Yeah. But actually, the thing that uh, people wouldn't realise about me or about the pair of us is that we both have a great fondness for Star Trek, and we have <laughs> a fondness for Star Trek for different reasons. But oh, no. outed, outed, absolutely nerd alert. But for different reasons. But we both love the idea of. Of, of, of frontiers and of possibilities yeah. and uh, the, imagi- the imaginative space. And I think... Cool this space. Cool space. Cool things in space. Cool things in space. And we are in a cool space here in the Welcome Collection. And I think you I really think you're going to like it. Also, I think it's ridiculous you've never been here. I know. but You, you work know, around the corner. No, right? I know. But you know, it's, it's so weird because I, did, I do spend quite a lot of time in museums and galleries. I don't know. This one's just passed me by, maybe. And I... I don't know about you, but during lockdown, I really... Of all the things, right? I really, genuinely missed going to a museum. It's, it's one of the first things I did when lockdown kind mm. of loosened up a bit. Because it is a public space that is mm. utterly democratic, because especially the way that they're mostly free, aren't they? Yeah, which is you amazing. Know, like, even a library, you need a library card quite often to get in. Mm. But, like, the thing about museums is that they're so democratic, you can, like, you nip in to use the loo and you end up wandering for three hours and, mm. and having this amazing experience because you're connecting to past humanities okay then right so shall we go mm-hmm. introduce you to the first exhibit which is called being human i presume you have your notebook out you could take a few tips i'm ready to note down everything i see great all 
right into the lift, in oh. you go, Kev. They like this sort of, you know, like, what's it, Art Deco, those marble walls. And, yeah, it's yeah. gorgeous, isn't it? Really I nice. mean, that's Ooh. the thing about museums. A bronze lift. A bronze lift. <laughs> Polished for you. Mm. Going up. Polished for your pleasure. Oh, look, you can see there the library. The library is such a beautiful space here. Yeah. It really, really is. It's one of my favourite places. Stop pretending in... you can read. Yeah, no, I don't go there for reading. Um, a nice nap. Oh, in the reading room. Actually, it's the reading room I was thinking of. Ah. And here we are, out in level one. Wow. It's very beautiful, isn't it? Oh, wow, Siobhan, look at this. Jukebox kin. Oh. It's like a sort of glass sculpture. What, what goes on in it, though? It's got songs. Oh. All right, so, oh, my gosh. For some, I don't know what I... Do you know what? I, I don't know what I was expecting when I read the title, but this actually looks like a jukebox. And on the inside, it looks like a bit like Doctor Who's sonic screwdriver in the middle Niche. that is turning round and round and round, or the BT Tower, which is very close to here, and apparently uh, informed one of the sonic screwdrivers based really? on the BT Tower. Really? You, know you know the BT Tower, it was, like, it was like a general, it was general post office, so it wasn't allowed to be listed. It was like a state secret, even though it was like standing <laughs> in the middle of London. Uh, what about the... Like, no, 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 I can't see it. I can't see it. No, no, you can't see it. You can't see that. <laughs> it's a big no. tall. No, no, it's not that. It's not that. So this is this. Mm-hmm. All right. So the, it's got like like a tradition. Oh, hold on. Look, you've broken it. No, I haven't. I've, I pulled. I pulled the little knob. So you pull the thing across. It plays pulls music. the thing across a bit like sort of an old-fashioned radio where you turn the dial, and there are ten, um, ten songs. I it's, don't understand. It's all songs. I've got something to do with like health or well-being. Look, national malaria theme song. Okay, what's Ebola that? Ebola in town. Quarantine speech. Quarantine. 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 Okay. People are still having sex, at least someone is. At least someone is, yeah. yeah. So, ten songs. One is English. For, okay, let's have a read of the thing. Right. It's a very beautiful piece, but I'm, mm-hmm. it just seems the, like a radio. The jukebox contains songs from across the world that relate to illness, told you, including AIDS, Ebola, COVID 19, never heard of it. Some were parts of campaigns sponsored by governments uh, or health. Ah, okay. Some were spontaneous creative responses. Move the, move the slider to play a song. Okay. Wow. Well, that's nice. It shows that everybody, like the sort of universality of basically showing how like all, like all good art and all science, it shows a universality to our experiences. So these are things from all over the world. National malaria theme song. Yeah. People are still having, you know, Mm -hmm. like Ebola on every corner. Annie DeFranco, you have state of emergency. Yeah. yeah. No, this is nice. But some of them we're, are obviously stuff that has been commissioned as a you know a public health thing, and some of them are just you know like Jimmy Somerville's something to live for. Like that's just his imagination, his creativity, isn't it? I imagine. Let's talk about prep. Might be a a message, a public health message. Mm-hmm. Where is it coming from? Is it coming from? It's the coming from oh, the speakers, the speakers above. are above us. That's it. Yeah. See, that's what I like about music. I wasn't yours. sure if it was the sound of your brain. No, you have the speakers above us. And you have the inside of the jukebox all lit up. It's quite a beautiful object, actually. And I quite like it. It looks very retro and sci-fi at the same time. Do you know what? That, because round here, this part of London, was where, when I first moved, that was where, you know, like the safe sex clinic was around the corner. Uh-huh. That's where loads, so loads of gay men would be sort of in this bit of London going to the Mortimer Market Clinic. I don't even know if it's still there, but like, it was very much kind of part of my formative experiences of being in London. Oh, about, and you still didn't pop into the Welcome Clinic? I still didn't pop into oh, the God. Welcome 
you and I, we go back a long way. We go back to actually to those those early days in London where we yeah. had no money and, like, and we were hanging out in any space that was free. Yeah, or yeah. The pub. Most people probably don't know that you actually do have this sort of bizarre background in science. So before you got into the acting and the, you know, this the one, drama, the drama, you know, you were a scientist. That's what you studied. And that, that, you know, did that come from Star Trek? I think it was Star Trek. No, <laughs> genuinely. Star Trek was played at a certain time on the TV schedule. That Science time. It, but like, it, it's, it's sort of my... I wasn't very good at English in school and people who work in the arts, I'm still not, (laughs) barely speak it, but like people who work in the arts, it's expected that they are all fantastic at English and literature and things like that. But it's, it's, I found it deeply uncreative and deeply boring and just loads and loads of bloody tomes talking about the rain and, and Austin talking about a dress. It's so boring whereas when you got to maths you there's like a, a formula and, and and like it's like a secret language like and you talk about coding then and then you go on to chemistry and you're like well that's just you love baking i mean that's just chemistry isn't yeah, it yeah no it is it's science baking yeah. is science I'm, yeah yeah so i think shall i talk about bread now i no. could do it for a long time <laughs> <laughs> no but i think i that's what i love about science the creativity of it the imaginative quality of it the to boldly go where no one has gone before. Oh, my God, you did it. I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I saw that coming a mile off. Right, well, this room has quite a few things in it. There's oh, wow, oh, no. Look, it's, my... <laughs> it's an astronaut. It's an Space astronaut. has come upon us. It's an <gasps> astronaut. <gasps> look at that. It's actually quite a groovy-looking astronaut. That's amazing. I mean, it's not the most traditional of astronauts. It's a sort of <coughs> fabric... Patterned. Look, yeah, it looks like up. sort of. That looks like um, a Nigerian fabric, doesn't it? Yeah. Covering the the it oxygen does, yeah. tank. The, 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 rather than the yeah, the backpack which would it's have. Fill, like, it's a net. The life support system is full of like, like sort of bits, bottles, and a teapot. Um, there's a telescope in there. There's a a book uh, and an oil burner. The toothbrush in there. Yeah. Toothbrush. So basically, as if you were going camping. And look, there's a suitcase, mm. an old-fashioned suitcase with a blanket in it. Is it, is it someone's... The evolution th- of the species and Captain Cook's voyage. Is it's, all, it's all... Yeah, it's like going on an expedition, isn't it? Mm, which I suppose yeah. space is. That's, space is an expedition, Siobhan. That's lovely. Yeah. Look, at, look at those boots. They're gorgeous. Space yeah. boots. Moon boots. God. Wow. That's absolutely amazing. Mm. It's called... Refugee Astronaut 3... By Yinka Shonebari, a fiberglass mannequin, Dutch wax printed cotton textile, an astronaut helmet, moon boots, etc. Wow, that's amazing. So, yeah, it's a, a, a monumental figure of a refugee astronaut. Mm. The, yeah, a net of possessions. So they're on a sort of hurried flight. So, God, that feels quite precedent with what's going mm, on in the world does, at the moment. With the... And actually, even coming here today, yeah. I was nearly late because there's a big demo. Um, welcoming refugees outside. from Ukraine. Yeah. Wow. It's That's interesting amazing that we're looking at that now. It's it's interesting because when I think about space travel, I must admit I do slightly roll my eyes a little bit because <laughs> it seems to me quite often that it's it's a hobby for men with too much money rather than some like I I don't see the I understand intellectually the idea of exploration but emotionally I go why 
I know it's not one or the other, but what I mean, like, uh, but, but with this is the fact that you have refugees. You never think of like somebody going to space as a refugee. No. But that is potentially very well, much our future. It, but, that's, but, that's... but you also never think of refugees as, as sort of um, wanting to go somewhere. They're yeah. being forced to flee. There is a, uh, somebody in a spacesuit, a fella in a spacesuit, is wants to go to space. You know, they're not being yeah. forced up there. They're not being shot out of a cannon, whereas a refugee has to keep moving, you know, yeah. has to flee. And that's an interesting sort of a paradoxical thing. Yeah. Do you think I it's think, a woman or a man inside there? I don't there? know. I, I actually thought it was a woman, too. So honest, did I. But, yeah. And do, did you know why, why they, they didn't have women in space for so long? Are you going to say something about the toilet? Oh, no, it was periods. Uh-huh. Yeah, and actually when they sent the first woman astronaut to space uh-huh. and they provided her with like 40,000 tampons yeah. or something. So Isn't that, that stupid? It's absolutely insane. Isn't that stupid? Just like, <laughs> it, 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 again, it only feeds... How many feeds, periods do you think you'll have in a three-day period? But also like thinking, oh, well, you know, the, the reason was is that they wouldn't allow women in space because they were worried that because of the lack of gravity that the blood would not be able to exit the body, thereby causing uh, medical problems to the women. If you had asked any woman on Earth or on, in space, they would have gone, are you, are you mad? And of course, it just sort of feeds that little suspicion that there is something inherently misogynistic mm. with space travel, apart I, from Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> I think at the moment, though, it does feel like space has you know, become really commercialised, hasn't it? You know, NASA's yeah, putting well, out... It's it's, not, it, people are literally yeah. making money out of it, and Back in the day, you know, it was very much about human endeavor. But even that, you know, the no, space race... No, it wasn't race. about human endeavor. It but was this, about showing who had a bigger penis. But it's like, you know, the space race was thing. But there's still amazing things came out of it. And I think, you know, the, yeah. the science and the full the scientists who created that program and the amazing yeah. things it did, you know, there's so, so many human benefits that come from that. And that's a big lesson of science, isn't it? What can often be... So many early scientists were basically pursuing a hobby, but the things they discovered in that hobby have changed, you know, human civilization. They've created the, the world we live in. And no, the, for sure. Absolutely. Know, but... But, you so, know, yeah. it also... Get off space. I, I'm Get off not the back space. of space. No, that's asking me to <laughs> go to space for fear my little womb explodes or something. We really don't need that. Not today. Ah, I spy someone. <laughs> Hello. Hello, hi. Hello, really nice to meet you. So my name's Ruth Horry and I am a collections curator at Welcome Collection. So I work in the exhibitions team, um, part of the team that um, work with this gallery and our other permanent galleries and our temporary exhibitions. Incredible. So, all right, you've got this empty space and you design the space or you design the, 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 what items are going to go in here or what's going to be shown? Is there a big warehouse with loads of more stuff out the back? If so, can I have a rummage in there? Is there, like, do you have a theme? How do you do it? How do you do it? Tell me, Ruth. So, so many questions. I know, good I got questions. fragile excited. I'm sorry. And, and that's, that, those are the questions that got me into working in museums in the first place. Oh, so really? these are all things that I'm really interested in. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I work as part of a team. Everything we do here is collaborative. And I've been working with this gallery since about 2020, um, but it was put together in 2019 um, by colleagues and former colleagues of mine, originally curated by Claire Barlow. And yes, it's designed. So the space that you see here um, opened in September 2019. And the theme of the gallery is what does it mean to be human in the 21st century? Ah. And... You know, we're all of us. What do you mean, ah, Kevin? I told you that it was called being human. What did you think it was? No, but I only believe Ruth. Fish. I don't believe you. <laughs> so, you know, the world is changing around us. New forms of medical knowledge, changing world. Um, any, sorry, I'm just going to interrupt you there. If anyone yeah. can hear water 
Yeah. It's because my legs are so tired. I've sat down and there's <laughs> there's a speaker just above me that is showing uh, the the it's it's accompanying the images of McDonald's being flooded. So you can hear water. So if anybody needs to go to the loo while listening to this, there is a very very good reason for that. Um, yeah. Don't worry, we are not in a flooded room. We're perfectly dry. And comfortable. Thank you, Ruth. I Could hope you? you're not going to get the loo right now. I was no. going to say, the, uh, the aim of our museum is to make <laughs> us all think and feel differently about health, but this is clearly <laughs> making you feel something very immediate, um, which, you know, is part of what we aim for. Siobhan, um, where are you going? Where are you going? <laughs> Stop running. But, yeah, so the artworks in here are by a range of different artists. We bring together perspectives from scientists, mm. from artists, from activists, and people with a diverse range of experiences around health. Um, we all of us have bodies, we're all of us, experts in our own experiences of health Um, but sometimes we value different perspectives differently so at this museum it is about creating conversations that bring people together bring those perspectives together um, and yeah challenge us all to start thinking and feeling differently so if you if you've got a favorite piece in the this collection do you know what i have so many i could be here all afternoon with you (laughs) but if we are just going to pick one yeah Yeah. the ppe piece oh yes just feels so familiar doesn't it so we're standing in front of a mannequin that is dressed in ppe which of course you know what it is uh it's wearing a white hazmas sort of boiler suit a green plastic full body apron white wellies a sort of like a motorcycle helmet kind of thing um with a glass shield then one of those face masks that we are all unfortunately so familiar with. And on the apron, there is a photograph uh, printed on paper of a young girl and it's stuck onto the green apron. I think that's the thing that always, you know, when you saw this during the pandemic and, you know, we're watching all that footage of people in the COVID things. You know, oh, that's meant to be their face? Yeah, that's the face of the person oh wearing God. the PPE. Oh, God, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, because, of course, because, you, know, you know, people dying oh in these God. hospital beds, you know, they were lying there. And obviously, you know, they this, this almost like an astronaut stood in front of them because they're covered in so much PPE. You can't actually see the face of the person who's caring for you. You know, the last person you might... Oh, God, I'm going to cry. The last person you might ever see... But all you could see was a photograph that they'd pinned to the front of their gown. I mean, it's just... That's so upsetting. Yeah, after... It's just, I mean, it also, do you know what's bizarre is that, you know, how familiar with that we are? Because for the last two years, yeah. it's all been about COVID and, you know, we've seen but so much see, footage. For me now, this is so powerful because it's familiar, right? But also because it shows that in something that is incredibly sterile mm. and medicinal and scientific and aimed to, like, to not contaminate anything... The act, I just think of, like from an acting perspective, I think of the action of taking your photograph, mm-hmm. going to the photocopier, printing out a copy, cutting around the edges, asking your colleague to do some sellotape. Yeah. The, because that brings the humanity, the gesture, the compassionate gesture to an incredibly sterile outfit. Yeah. You know? I find it really emotional listening to your conversation because so this, this artwork, which is by... American artist Mary Beth Heffernan. She worked with healthcare workers in Liberia and West Africa in the Ebola epidemic, so 2015, 2016, um, okay. personalizing the hazmat suits, the PPE, so that exactly the healthcare workers could become more visibly human, the, the patients would know who was treating them. And these are conversations that may have felt quite distant and alien from a, a London audience mm. um, until COVID hit. And, it, and you know, hearing you describe those kinds of 
you know, emotional kind of conversations and questions we've all kind of been experiencing. For me, like this, this work is so powerful and it stays so powerful. And, you know, on the wall, we've got a quote from um, Rosaline Biago, who is the healthcare worker who's pictured on the suit. Oh, really? And she describes um, her experiences of being her um, friends and relatives being frightened of her when she came home. Her landlord uh, was evicting her from her accommodation because of the fear of the virus and what it meant to work like that. And actually, you know, we've, we've heard experiences of healthcare workers in the COVID pandemic experiencing the same thing. So I, I feel as though these stories that are you know, of Ebola workers, of healthcare workers in Liberia, you know, they have new resonances for us. They're still as powerful. And um, the artists continue to work with uh, healthcare workers in the United States in COVID using similar techniques. So we're hoping to keep those stories kind of live in the gallery. It's so extraordinary, isn't it? Because it is something that, you know, you could have come here, you could have looked at this, it would have been, yeah, God, that's interesting. That's a fascinating fact. And then now, because of COVID, it's something that is so familiar to all of us now. Like, but it really also, resonates. As, as a building, you're responding to what's happening. So you're responding and you're evolving with the things that are happening outside. Exactly. And that piece before COVID, I'd have walked past it. Now it stops me in my tracks and it makes me think of Ebola and of COVID. Do you know, like there's yeah. something connecting about these pieces because you're not just sticking it in a, glass, in a glass cage and going, yeah, done, we don't need to do anything else. There's a conversation you're having. I don't think there's ever been a period where people maybe have, it's been so important, like healthcare has been so present constantly in our lives. It's been a constant everyday part through the pandemic and then to sort of come to a museum where it's all about health and well-being that's sort of amazing is it because it did just sort of remind you yes it reminds us but it reminds us of something that isn't gone away and that I don't think we've dealt with yet not only as a from a a viral point of view but I think sort of psychologically and uh, sociologically I think we're we're getting through things but we're not dealing with it because it's we're still in the middle of it and I feel that this place in time to not be too grandiose about it but I think there is a place of healing here because where else can we look at items that that talk about our immediate experiences and allow us to process it so should we go look at some other stuff would you mind showing us a few more things absolutely follow me let's come and see some things are you enjoying yourself Kevin I'll come along as well no but are you enjoying yourself I'm really enjoying myself yeah Yeah. this is cool yeah it is science is cool oh no you've ruined it yeah should we call ourselves a name geek squad (laughs) that's what I already called you (laughs) so follow me across the gallery this way lovely and we're just going to stop in front of uh, this. Wow. Uh, this is a picture, a very nice picture of a lady sitting in like what it looks like is a doctor's surgery. And she's got a lovely frock on. She looks as if she's about to do Strictly. And she's staring directly at the camera and she's holding a white rose. And there's a gentleman uh, medical practitioner beside her looking like he ha- he's hooked her up to something. I think he's about to take blood or an injection. Yeah. She's got the tourniquet um, on her upper arm and she's looking at us and she's got a very very soulful expression oh she's got one of those septum rings i like
like those. Yeah, so I brought you over to um, a self-portrait by the American artist Keila Beja. You, you know, when you said that she looked like she could be on Strictly, I like that description because she describes her work as very cinematic and theatrical. Mm. Um, and this is one of a series of self-portraits by La Beja, which is um, titled 24. So this one is, is called 11. And her work deals with uh, her identity as a black woman living with HIV. When she was diagnosed as a small child, um, the medications weren't there to let people with HIV live a normal life. In this portrait, she wears the, her prom dress wow. as she sits on the doctor's bed. And this is her doctor's uh, office. He's taking her blood, and this doctor's worked with her through her life. And she describes her work as a way of uh, presenting in a defiant and regal way that she's still here, wow. that this is her. And she meets our gaze in the photograph in a mm. way that I think is really powerful. Incredibly yeah. powerful. It's so funny, is it? Because you look at it, you think, oh, that's beautiful. And then you hear the actual story behind it and suddenly it sort of hits you, hits you in the yeah, yeah. This sort of, the it, life she's led. It and... looks operatic, doesn't mm. it? Like with the white rose sitting on her lap and yeah. the, the sort of uh, the very dramatic lighting and, and, and the, the staring out. You half expect her to open yeah. her mouth and an aria come out. And like operas deal with such heightened emotions, you know, and this is, this is quite, this is Carmen. This is uh, the, 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 21st century's consumption, isn't it? Yeah. She's about to... She's extraordinary. Yeah, that's, that's very powerful. Yeah. And bringing the dignity and humanity back to something that has been so dehumanised, really. Yeah. Lovely, thank you. Yeah, thanks so thank much. You. That's amazing. So from here, we're just at the table case over here in front mm-hmm. of us. Okay. So if we gather round. In this case, um, we've got several artworks, but what I wanted to talk to you about is the one in the centre, which is a red charity collecting tin. Yeah. So like you might see people collecting for um, out and about in shopping centres yeah, maybe, yeah. or on the tills of, of a checkout. This one is an artwork by Dolly Sen, and written across the red uh, collecting tin is the fictional charity Help the Normals. <laughs> so here the artist is taking an object that we, you know, we're all familiar with in, in, in our everyday life, um, but making us think differently about it. Uh-huh. So who are the normals that are in need of help? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's questioning the idea of, of who is normal, who gets to, yeah. to say that they're normal, when you know, we often value... Uh, certain kinds of bodies or ways of thinking more than others or we act like we do and yet hardly any of us would describe ourselves as normal what Mm -hmm. does that mean Mm -hmm. so the artist is opening up those questions particularly around mental difference uh, Mm. in new ways it sort of flips flips the thing around doesn't it well it's just this sort of you know on a very basic and sort of grandiose ways but just from a feminist perspective the the default human is a man, mm. and that's only that's less than fifty percent of the population. So it's a very bad umbrella term to describe the default human. Mm. And then if you sort of narrow it down, the default human again is usually a white man. Yeah. So that's an even yeah. narrower uh, statistical sample. So help the normals. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. It, it taps into something that I'm fierce interested in, and what I try to do with my work as an actor, which is giving voice to characters and experiences that don't necessarily get that voice heard. So the idea of what is normal, our default human, usually tends to be male and usually tends to be white and usually tends to be a certain age. And you're actually talking about a very, very small um, amount of humans are that, and yet we take that as the default human. And we just 
continuously drown out any other voices. I don't think it's on purpose. I think we have a system in place that does that. I don't think individuals, uh, unless there's something wrong with them, want to promote that necessarily. But there is a system that does favour one uh, group of people over another. And elegant artwork like this just really sort of forces you to have that conversation with yourself. Why do I think that a car seatbelt should be a certain height when I'm nowhere near that height? Why should medication be dosed, uh, presuming that the average human is a certain size, shape and has a metabolism that I don't have? I take a lot of medication, frankly. I was diagnosed with asthma when I was three, and before that I'd been in hospital in and out for the first three years. And I have grown up with medication in my back pocket continuously. So the idea of knowing that I would only be alive down to the pills I take is a very normal one for me and my family. And the idea of looking... So, you know, it's making something that is so familiar magical and extraordinary again. It brings the magic back to it. Yeah. Ruth, where should we go now? Like, is there something else we can see? Is there cake? (laughs) <laughs> there's always cake in the cafe but in it's terms of where you could go next so we've actually got something a bit special lined up for you if you're up for it big cake um, <laughs> in addition to a big cake um, so our new exhibition Rooted Beings isn't open to the public just yet we're just putting the finishing touches to it if wow. you want to follow me downstairs I can introduce you to my colleague Barbara who can give you a sneak preview oh yes Ooh. yes 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 and I yes. bet when this goes out it will be open won't it oh, yeah so, yeah oh um, brilliant but we'll have been there first haha listeners haha <laughs> thank you so much So we're, we're after entering the exhibition space, there is uh, green walls being lit up. There's wow. these t- um, fabrics with all these extraordinary illustrations on them. There, I'm now looking at what appears to be, <laughs> I don't know, like a triffid? It does look like a triffid, doesn't it? It's like, it's, it's like something from space. Something or, or like a really early yeah. um, Doctor Who. Yeah. It's probably some kind of plant that will eat uh-huh. us and digest it's us. A, it's a bit like we've stepped into the set of a science let's, fiction film. This is pretty special, though, because this, is, this hasn't yet opened. We're here when it's not yet open, but by the time this goes out, it's going to be open, so everyone will be able to see this, but we're getting like a special... Secret preview. Sneak peek. Well, and that is oh. down to Barbara, who's oh. curated all this and is going to tell us all about it. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Barbara. Hello, I'm Barbara Rodriguez Muñoz, and I'm the curator of Rooted Beings. Wow, this looks incredible. Absolutely Thank amazing. You. So we know nothing about this because no, I <laughs> we think know we, nothing. We well, we know, know nothing, nothing in general. Yeah. But I think we're the um, because it hasn't opened yet. I haven't read any of the blurbs no, or anything. So this no. is quite a special. Special thing. Can you tell us, please, about this beautiful exhibition you've curated? Of course. Uh, you are our first visitors. Yeah. <laughs> it's an exhibition we've been developing over the last four years, inviting us all to reflect on our relationship with plants, our relationship with fungi, and to rethink how we relate to them. Ah. Okay, wow. Well, okay. quite a broad remit, so then. You, 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 uh, so you had four, four years to do this. Did COVID get in the way yeah. of Co- this exhibition? COVID got in the way a few times. Um, I remember one of the artists in the exhibition, an Argentinian artist called Eduardo Navarro, Navarro who said that um, 
the exhibition, well, I was getting desperate because we couldn't open the exhibition and he said that the exhibition will open when the, or will flourish when the light was right. So uh, this like is a plan. Like a plan, yeah. so this is <laughs> happening very, very <laughs> soon. Amazing. But it's, it's been fungus. like a big entanglement of partnerships yeah. and archives and artists and organizations and that there have been things happening and this is um, the final opening so of what the makes exhibition. It, what makes it important to the Welcome Collection? Like why is it a Welcome Collection piece? At Welcome Collection, we look at the relationships between health, between life and between art. And uh, I believe that due to the climate crisis, it's a good moment to rethink our relationship with the vegetable world. So the way that we often see plants is as this passive resource for us to use. Plants are food, plants are medicine, plants are aesthetic. We can relax when we look at them. And we're inviting you to do something very different. We are inviting our visitors to learn from them. So what can we learn from plants? Can we learn to be more rooted? Hence the title, Rooted Wings. Uh Can we learn to be more attentive? Can we learn to be more flexible, attentive Uh to the elements, attentive to other beings around us? And the idea with this exhibition is that we start breaking this artificial wall we created between humans and nature, which, as we know, is eroding our health, our vitality, and even our imagination. So we want to kind of stimulate people's imagination and sense of vitality and reimagine how we can relate to the vegetal world. Obviously, there's this desire, this burning desire through the whole of human existence to explain the world around us, to try and find ways of doing that. And actually, you know, this collection really highlights how so much of that is about trying to help, you know, right back from sort of, you know, people using plants to try and heal. And that sort of evolves into this, you know, the modern medicine, the science we have now, which, you know, again, because of what's just happened and this virus, you know, having that vaccine be developed by these incredible scientists and be administered by all these doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals. I mean, that's just such a wonderful thing. It just, I think, coming here today, it really feels the presence of that is quite overwhelming in a way. But if you, like, people think science is outside of their humanity. That's what attracted me to science mm. initially, way back in the 1800s when I was in university. <laughs> but, like, the idea that, like, I mean, humans have, humans obviously haven't created plants or, or molecules or anything, but we've created the study yeah. of science it is a, it is by its very definition a, a, a human made endeavor and this is a celebration of that endeavor yeah the listeners can probably hear there is quite a remarkable soundtrack to this right now and i i want to know where this is coming from follow me so you can hear these bangings and these sort of <laughs> yeah. weird, like the weird percussive sounds. And now there's the sound of running water. So we've entered a room where it's glowing green. It's uh, very green. Uh, there's one, two, three, four, five. There are five structures here. They're a bit like um, each, each structure has a glass cage in front of it with mm. exhibiting something. And there's a picture, like an old-fashioned picture of a botanical picture that you'd find in, like, I think of, like, these old textbooks like you'd expect Beatrice Potter to be painting them or something. But there's something, they have these remarkable shapes above them. And I must admit, some of them look like diagrams of ovaries. That's what I think they look like. And above them again, each one of them has a hologram of, I mean, the holograms are so cool. This is really, really cool. Holograms of various structures, organic structures. I don't really, oh, I recognize one of them. So that is like a, a, a stem. Uh, with uh, leaves and blossoms on it, some kind so of fruit, a seed or something, a like seed that? maybe, and Barbara? there's an eyeball. 
there is an eyeball. And there's another eyeball. Barbara. Inviting us to look what or is to it? run away screaming. What Please is it, tell us. Why the Barbara, eyeballs? Barbara, why have you done this to us? <laughs> Barbara, I'm scared. There is a lot to unpack here. There and is, there, yeah. there are reasons to be scared. But there are also there will be reasons to feel healed and nurtured. Yeah. So we can explore both. Let's We are in an installation by an artist from Chile called Patricia Dominguez. So what we can see are five futuristic totems. Ah, yes. And each totem is telling you stories of violence, colonial violence, environmental violence, but also narratives of healing, indigenous healing, uh, plant healing that are embodied in botanical collections. In this case, the collections at Welcome Collection here and Kew Gardens. So this first um, totem is honoring a tree called the Chinchona tree. So you will recognize the tree for its reddish bark, and from its bark we extract quinine to treat malaria. Yes. So that's like... And tonic water. And tonic water. So what what we're looking at, so we've got some of the the bark in front of us, and that's what they use to make the quinine, is that... So you're looking at some original seeds that were brought from Peru in the 18th century. Seeds. And they're from Kew Gardens. And you're also looking at the bark. And this is telling you the story of how important quinine was for the expansion of the British Empire and the Dutch Empire and many other European empires. So what you see here is how these seeds were taken away from Latin America. The knowledge was also taken away and to Europe to establish mass plantations of quinine in places like Indonesia. So here we see a black and white image of people collecting um, or harvesting quinine in Mm. Indonesia. So what happened is uh, this plant was kind of uprooted and taken to other geography, and there natural forests were destroyed to mass produce quinine for the expansion of the empire because, of course, it protected soldiers yeah. so they could yeah. enter other territories. I, I mean, you know, they put it in the... Well, that's where the gin and tonic comes from, isn't it? Because you would have uh, quinines in tonic water and that's why everyone would drink gin and tonics. Exactly. Yes. Also to get drunk, I mean... Um. <laughs> so we have one, two, three, four, five of these totems, each honouring a plant... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, focusing one particular pl- plant that has been abducted almost or stolen or reappropriated. But also plants that are really powerful mm. for different reasons. So here we have the Brugmansia, which has this beautiful bell-shaped flower and it's one of the most toxic plants on earth. Wow. And it's Don't go near it, Siobhan. <laughs> Over there, you have the plants that are used to make uh, ayahuasca or peyote. And over here, you have, in this case, a European plant, which is the mandrake, the mandragora, ah, which wow. has this humanoid root. root. Mm. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> so we're looking at... That's a root. Yeah. And it's, it's been, yeah, it's it been carved like because oh, there's all these... <laughs> Say. It's all been That's kind of well, mythologized. It? <laughs> so it's a, it's, a, it's a root that has been carved into a figure of a human um, mm. sort of clutching their hands. But, I mean, the, the, the mandrake root in general does look quite... Uh, Humanoid. Yeah, mm. it does, does, like a little gargoyle or something, doesn't it? Yeah. And that's why it's been surrounded with so much uh, mythology. Yeah, screaming. 
Oh, uh, yeah, the crystals. It's like Harry Potter, isn't it, where they mm. and pull mandrakes out the ground and they we've, scream. We've crystals here again in the sort of the spell, the offering above us. And also we have some early drawings of mandrake, which are really interesting because they used to assign it a gender. So they used to be like female mandrakes and male mandrakes. And yet you can see how they're exaggerating yeah. that shape. Yeah. Uh, I can see in how the black and white that one drawing. is a female mandrake. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's the higher intellect of that particular yeah. plant, I think. <laughs> I wonder wow. if it was a man that decided that. Okay, so there what do you think? Um, I mean, that's kind of incredible, isn't it? It's such an amazing was, space. Was it everything you wished for and more? <laughs> Was I right, in other words? (laughs) You were right. It's a really amazing museum. I'm really regretting not having come before. So, What did you you. like about it, genuinely? I mean, honestly, I just... It's sort of really amazing. And I think, you know, we were so struck, weren't we, by that, the the piece of the woman in the PPE. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. We both got quite moved looking at it because that piece really shows us how important museums are. Not to sort of do a little pitch for museums. <laughs> they don't need me to do a pitch for them. But this will be a place of healing. This is a place where through items and through curated and artistically created items, we can heal from the experiences that we've had in the last couple yeah. of years. I used to think that my time in university was good for one thing only, which was the sort of social side, the lifelong friends I made when I was in university. I never really thought so much about what I was studying or more accurately not studying. But I, I'm comforted by today's visit by realising the same impulse I have to be an actor is the same impulse that drew me to do maths because it's the same impulse to make meaning and to understand and to find a pattern and to find some sort of truth and that place this place yeah well done it's about that human connection isn't it It that's the thing i think that's been so present is that behind all the science behind all the kind of you know the research and the kind of the stuff that i suppose for a lot of people that would just really you know you'd instantly there's a human face your brain would shut down yeah because it's just science it's numbers it's facts it's things but actually there's such a human presence through the whole collection do you think i'm even more amazing now kevin I wouldn't go that far, but I'm very grateful and thankful you brought me here today. You're welcome, Kevin. (laughs) You're very welcome. Yet again, I just give, 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 and you take, take, take. And talking of take, 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 what are you going to take away from today? I think I'm going to take away um, a first experience for coming to a museum with you, despite our long, long, long friendship. I think this is the first time we've ever done that, which Mm -hmm. is quite amazing. And I think I'll be back, because I do think, as someone who is interested in science, I just don't know why I've never been here before. Like, it's a museum dedicated to, like, a really special part of humanity. Great. Well, you're welcome. Thank you, Welcome Museum. <laughs> Thank you, Siobhan Thank Sweeney. Thank you to the museum for allowing me to show this very special place to Kevin Brady, and now he feels very indebted to me, <laughs> and that's the dynamic I prefer. Good night, and Will I buy you a drink now? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Meet Me at the Museum. 
With me, Siobhan McSweeney. And me, Kevin Brady, here at the Welcome Collection in London. If you like this episode of the podcast, please rate, subscribe or tell a friend. And don't forget, you can show your love for museums with a National Art Pass. It gives you great benefits at hundreds of venues while raising money to support them.